This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, how wonderful that all three of our readings this weekend look forward. All are about fresh beginnings about not becoming imprisoned in our past. His remark of Martin Luther's, I've always liked. Luther said that classical philosophy, so the philosophy of Plato and Aristotle and so on, is concerned with the being of things, substance and existence, what are things. But biblical religion, he said, is much more interested in the future of things of what things will be, what they will become under God's influence. We have a God who makes all things new, and in that we find hope. Look at our first reading for this weekend, taken from the 43rd chapter of Isaiah. It was written at the time of the return of the Israelite exiles from their captivity in Babylon. This was, as I've often said, the worst trauma in Jewish history. And it was blamed by the prophets and seers and sages, quite rightly, on their sin. Because of the sin of the people, Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple burned down, the people carried off into exile. It was as though Yahweh had abandoned his people. And they read that, they read that as an answer to their sin. But now, now, through the ministrations of Cyrus, the king of Persia, who had conquered the Babylonians, God is doing something new. Listen now to the prophet. Remember not the events of the past. Things of long ago, consider not. See. I am doing something new. What he's doing is akin to what he did with the Israelite slaves in Egypt. He's bringing his people to freedom. Listen again as the prophet goes on. In the desert, I make a way. In the wasteland, rivers. For I put water in the desert and rivers in the wasteland for my chosen people to drink. What's what's being talked about here? But God providing a way for the exiles to return home, smoothing the way before them. See, this is exactly where the language of making a highway in the desert comes from. John the Baptist later on will quote that, won't he? A highway in the desert to allow the exiles easily to return. Water and rivers so they can have something to drink as they move. God does not want his people in permanent exile. That's the point. He doesn't want them 
languishing in their sin. Is the Bible clear about sin? Yes, it knows all about it. Does it know about God's punishment of sin? Yes, which means God allowing us to feel the effects of our sin. Yes, indeed, the Bible knows all about that. But see, God is not interested in leaving us stuck in our sin. He's a saving God. He's a liberating God, making a way in the desert. Now, look at our second reading. That wonderful, wonderful letter of Paul to the Philippians. Listen. Brothers and sisters, I consider everything as loss because of the supreme good of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. What does Paul consider loss? Everything that his life was about. Remember, he was someone who was schooled in the great Jewish traditions. He was passionate for the tradition of his ancestors, as he said. And that led him to persecute the church. It led him to preside at the stoning of St. Stephen. It led him to ride off to Damascus in pursuit of Christians. What does Paul consider all that now? So much rubbish in his vivid language. So much rubbish rubbish in comparison to what Christ will accomplish in him. See, there's the point. Paul is looking forward, not back. Not obsessing over his sin. That's all loss. It's all rubbish. What he's concerned about is what Christ will accomplish in him. Listen again in this vividly typical language of Paul. It's just one thing that matters. Forgetting what lies behind, but straining forward to what lies ahead. I continue my pursuit toward the goal, the prize of God's upward calling in Christ Jesus. How wonderful, isn't it? Why bother with the past? Why worry excessively about what came before? Don't get preoccupied, Paul saying, with your past sins. God is much more interested in your future than he is in your past. Your upward calling in Christ. See how wonderful, straining forward, looking upward. What we might become, God's much more interested in that than in what we are or what we were. Now, from those two great readings, we turn to the equally magnificent gospel for today, the story of the woman caught in adultery. It's in the eighth chapter of John's gospel. Take out your Bible at some point today. Open up to the eighth chapter of John and read this wonderful story. Notice first how this woman is brought right into the heart of the temple by pious people. So Jesus has been teaching in the temple area. So he's right at the heart of Jewish religious life. He's at the most sacred place. And into the heart of that temple, by very pious people, this woman is brought. 
It's a sad commentary indeed. But very often in ancient times and today, religious people want to trap others in their past. Precisely, religious people want to nail others to the cross of the mistakes they made. Listen now, to use religion itself, which is meant to be a power of liberation, as the means to effect this imprisonment. You know, Paul saw this with great clarity, didn't he? That's why he says the law can lead us into sin. The people say, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Well, it begs the question, doesn't it? Where precisely were they situated in order to catch her in the very act of adultery? These are some pretty voyeuristic types, aren't they? Then, the evocation of Moses in order to condemn her to death. You know, Moses said such people should be stoned. What do you say? Once more, religion being used here as a blunt instrument rather than as a means of salvation. Religion tying us to our past rather than liberating us for the future. Of course, it's in one of the great one-liners of the entire Bible that Jesus disarms them. Let the one among you who's without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. See, what he's driving at is this, that our solidarity in sin, and every one of us, everyone listening to me, I myself, of course, every one of us is a sinner. Our solidarity in sin ought to awaken in us a greater compassion for each other. It shouldn't prompt this attack mode. It should prompt solidarity. At Jesus' great one-liner, they drifted away one by one until Jesus was left alone with the woman. So he effectively disarmed and caused to disappear this mob animated by the worst aspects of religion. He's left alone with the woman. In St. Augustine's splendid commentary, all that was left was miseria et misericordia, misery and mercy. The misery of the sinner and the mercy of Christ. Better in Latin, of course, miseria et misericordia. Jesus says to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. Now here's what I want you to see. How rich is that little word, go? What's being emphasized once again is not the past, but the future. Straining on to what lies ahead. Following the upward calling in Christ, not obsessing with what lies behind. Go, go forward. Now, it, this is not some sort of bland anything goesism. Go and stop sinning. Don't sin anymore. 
But see, go. There's a forward-looking quality to it. Now, with those three readings in mind, I want all of us to meditate on something. I'd be willing to bet there are a lot of people listening to me right now who feel terribly imprisoned by their past. You've done something terrible, something awful, maybe something deeply shameful. Every time you think of it, you cringe. Who knows? Maybe it's an act of injustice, an act of cruelty, an act of violence, some sexual dysfunction. I don't know what it is, but something that, that really causes you shame. Or perhaps someone's harmed you so severely you can't let go of the hurt, and you continue to seethe with resentment. When you see the person who hurts you, you just can't help but hate him or hate her. Any attempt at reconciliation is met with roadblocks and frustration. Perhaps you feel in the past you've done something so wrong that even God can't forgive you. You don't even bother going to confession because you're just too ashamed. You're so convinced that God wouldn't forgive you. Like ancient Israel, you feel as though you are in prison and in exile. Like the woman caught in adultery, you've committed some sin that you just feel caught by. You feel that everyone, if they knew about it, would drag you out in public and humiliate you. What I want you to know, everybody, right here, right now, is there is a way out. There's a path forward. There's an opening in the desert. You might be miseria, but standing right in front of you is misericordia, the forgiveness offered in Christ. Remember, every saint had a past, and every sinner has a future. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Four years in the making, and it's finally here. Our new Catholicism documentary series, book, and study program are now available to order online at catholicismseries.com. Will you help me introduce this epic film series to your parish, school, family, and friends? Catholicism is an unprecedented adventure around the world and deep into the faith. Learn more at catholicismseries.com or call 1-866-928-1237. That's 1-866-928-1237.